The bloody and burger rusty should go chaos, must wrap to pandemic A2. Noir ladies and gentlemen, sheriff of Nottingham, stinker redacted and coup. Restaurante Italia, Mortimer Russo, betrayal at house on the hill. Hello and welcome to Board of Games, the podcast where we talk about board games, old, new, and tickling our fancy. My name is Lachlan Albert and I am joined, as always, by my good friend Jeff Setti. Jeff, how you doing, mate? I'm well, mate. I'm well. It's been a little while since we've uh, we've been Board of Games, so it's nice to be back. It sure has. We, uh, we're getting it more regular. We've got... A lot of the uh, behind-the-scenes stuff sorted that takes, you know, a lot of that work getting the podcast yeah. into your wonderful hands. Speaking of which, any listeners out there who uh, are not following us on Twitch, you can do so at twitch.tv slash Podcast. And if you're on there, you can be part of the conversation live as we are right now. Anyone who's in that chat can post a comment. We also go live on Facebook. So follow Board of Games on Facebook and you'll be able to see when we go live and watch along and comment on there. The video starts and there's a song playing for about three minutes. That's normal. It'll just catch you up <laughs> when we start firing away. But look, we can sit here and chat all day, but let's talk about what we're doing today. As usual, here on Border Games, we try and each talk about a newer game, each talk about an older game, each bring up a couple of crowdfunding campaigns that are going on, and then we draft some games back and forth, and our draft topic for tonight is going to be funny games, games that make you laugh. We want to bust a gut tonight, so that's the plan. But if we want to start with some of the newish hotness, something you can get your hands on right now that's exciting everyone, Jeff, tell us about a board game, mate. Oh, this one I love. This was, uh, this was one of those that... I love this uh, one too. I, I, think, I think I've mentioned to you um, my birthday's at the end of April, so my mates all get me a, a bunch of vouchers from somewhere like Gameology and I go and pick up whatever the top games of the previous year was. And this one was mentioned by numerous people in their top five or top 10 or even their best game of last year as a 222 game. Uh, it is the amazing and very fun. It's so cute. You cannot not find this game cute. The art is absolutely amazing. It is Flamecraft. Uh, Flamecraft is a bit, it's a Sandra Tang's artwork. It was actually uh, the, the, the developer of the game, a game, Manny Vega, uh, spoke to Sandra and said, I love your artwork. Let's make a game around your artwork. Because all of her art on, on Instagram is, is is dragons. It's all dragon-based. Uh, in this game, you are the lord of a dragon, I guess. You're, you're, you're placing your dragon in different shops with dragon helpers. And from you draft, uh, you draft certain goods, and those goods give you, uh, when you, when you fill out cards with the corresponding number of goods, you get more points. It's not really a vicious game. It's not really a spicy game, but gosh, it's fun. It doesn't matter whether you win or lose in this one. It's just silly and fun and it scales beautifully. You can play it one person. You can play it two people. Or you can play it up to five. Uh, I played it both with two and with five and it's just beautiful. The extra components are nice as well. I've got the, I, I sent away for the real coins and not, not the cardboard ones. You can see in the the top right photo there, if you're following us along on, uh, on the Twitch. coins are the bit I'm desperate for. I've got the wooden components. I've got the dragon minis. I cannot find those coins anywhere, and I'm desperate for them because the well, game's so pretty. Well, 
I got the coins and the dragon minis, but not the wooden components. And then oh. this morning I went to a maple shop and have ordered plastic, a biodegradable Ooh. plastic components, which are going to look amazing. I'll bring them and show them to you when they have arrived. Um, so this is, yeah, this is one of my favorite games at the moment. I play this with a great friend of mine. Hi, Artemis. Uh, they and myself play it uh, quite regularly. We're always keen. We're always like, let's catch up and just play a couple of games of Flamecraft. It's also a quick play. It doesn't hang around too long. Yeah. It's not It's not a game that you you finish uh, You finish over three hours. It's about a 90-minute experience at maximum. And, boy, is it fun. You've obviously played it, Lachlan. You, you obviously enjoy it. Yeah, I sure have. We've got Night Eyes in the chat saying it's a great game. I fully agree. I think I might have introduced it to Night Eyes. In for, oh, no, not to Night Eyes. But, um, yeah, this is a game that I've played with people who aren't massively into games and it's so simple and so cute that they want to play it they get how to play it but at the same time it is really unique it's not just a worker placement or just a hand management game like the actual no. path of play like as as much as it is you've got to get the resources that you want to fulfill a goal card that's things you do in a lot of games but the actual path of play is really unique um mm. Game's fantastic. The turns are so simple. It's quick. It's snappy. But you do have a ton of options. Um, yeah, this is a delightful game and so pretty, so cute. And 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 one thing I really love about this game is that each store beyond the basic six stores, so the six beginner stores that you start with, each store has a special ability, and some of them are riveting. Some of them are so exciting. Oh, yeah. I found one the other night, which is a, a sleeping inn where the, you have to put oh, the dragon's face down because they go to sleep. When we, Whenever we pull the sleeping inn, we say everyone has to be quiet if they've got their dragon meeple there. Otherwise, you'll wake up oh, the dragons. That's lovely. It's, uh, I, I love this game so much. Now, something yeah. I'll mention with Flamecraft is that it's by a company called Cardboard Alchemy. Uh, they did a lot of the production of it. And Cardboard Alchemy, I think, are absolutely phenomenal um and i'm going to talk about a cardboard alchemy game as well you can see by what i'm about to show the care that they put into the presentation of their game the art the components but uh where flamecraft is light and breezy and pretty and beautiful this game is the opposite this game comes in a gloomhaven sized box Ooh. um yeah uh part of the reason for that is and they've done something i love not to get too ahead of myself but all of the like extra components and everything, all the expansions that you can get fit perfectly in the insert that's in the base box. Oh, so if fantastic. you've got the base box, everything's going to fit. And part of the reason for that is it uses game trays as part of the like setup of everything. So all the pieces fit perfectly. You whip them out, you set up. Um, so with that in mind, some people might've worked out what game I'm talking about. This one's Dwellings of Elder Vale. This game blew me away i kept hearing good things about it but when i saw it it looked too big and all over the place to really be as good as people were saying but it is just phenomenal um i'm so impressed with again how simple the game is for how much you're doing it's kind of a tableau building game while also being a worker placement game while also having dice rolling combat while you're also trying to gather different resources to use different abilities and everyone's a unique faction. So it's really asymmetrical. Um, I, I'm blown away by just how much this game can do. 
when it really comes down to it, and you're able to see in the big image there, if you're watching us on Twitch or on Facebook, it uses a, a series of tile, of hex tiles as the locations, and you can go out and assign workers to the tiles and move them around. And each of those tiles have little rewards that you can get by going there in the form of resources, but also you can spend resources to turn your workers into dwellings, and they're one of the things that'll get you a lot of points. And so you put workers out, or you can return all of the workers that are on the board. That gives you a big explosion of good stuff. And that's also when you can trigger all of the cards that you've managed to get in your tableau. There's so much good Euro game stuff going on in here. And the the way the factions all work so differently is amazing. Especially because, as you can see in the top right, again, if you're watching us on video, they have these little game trays. They have a faction board with all the abilities that clicks into the top holds all the components in, that's everything you need for player setup. You take that board yeah. out, you pass it to someone, you go, which side of that tile do you want? Because there's two different factions on it. There you go. There's all your components and they're already sorted into all the places that they go. See, I love that. As a fan of Eclipse, I love the new version of Eclipse because it does something similar. And I think that, that for spatial reasons and also table play reasons, it's so much nicer to have a box oh yeah and the thing that i'll say about dwellings as well is yes it's a massive game the box is bloody huge but you'll see the base version is what i've got a picture of up here it has a really clever use of like monster standees the base game doesn't come with a big big hunks of plastic minis the investment in yeah. this game is in great gameplay, great art design, fantastic components like those game trays. You can see they've got uh, screen printed meeples in the base game, which is just makes it so much easier to remember what everything does. When rather than having like a weird misshapen bit of wood for a dragon piece, <laughs> it's screen printed with a dragon. It's obviously a dragon. Yeah. And it does a really cool thing where because your workers turn into dwellings, you have your workers, and then you have little plastic rooftops. So when you turn a worker into a dwelling, you put a little rooftop onto their head, and they become a little building. That's what you can oh, see can in the see middle that. of that picture there with the blue guy. is actually a meeple with a roof yeah. on it that's become a yeah, house. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. That's it's great. so clever. Absolutely brilliant. I have got the big expansion, which gives you miniatures for the monsters. I am really trying to track down the ultimate insane Kickstarter edition they had, which not only gave you a second set of alternate monsters, but big chunky plastic bases that you could put the monsters on. And so when you put them down on the board, they made a roar. Um, talk oh. about Kickstarter overkill, but the toy yeah. factor on that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I can't imagine, you know, putting down this big demon thing and you put him down and he goes, like, that's <laughs> so cool. That, that is tremendous, actually. I'll have to give that a play. It's probably not one I'd want to own, to be honest, but it does sound like something I'd, I'd play in my game group with my mates. This is one where I own it, and if anyone around me says that they're thinking of buying it, I'll say, no, I've got a copy. You don't need a copy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because it's that kind of game where you're not going to get to pull it out that often, so I'm more than happy yeah. to lend it to someone, or, I mean, if someone's going to play it, I want to play it with them, so just have me around. Yeah. But I, I think that the amount of stuff it does was shocking to me. Yes, it looks like it's going to just be a big old fighty dudes on a map game, and it's really clever and concise. Fantastic. Love Dwellings of Eldervale. 
But speaking of big games, have you got a big one you want to talk about, Jeff? Yeah, like this, is a, thing? this is older, but it's also newer. This is a, this is one that kind of crosses the line because it was originally released in the 90s and it is insanely popular and very difficult to get. And it was re-released and reskinned just a couple of years ago, I think in 2021, and it is insanely popular again. It's not so difficult to get, but you should go and pick it up. It is, of course, the fantastic... Battlestar Galactica slash Unfathomable. I'm kind of covering both. Uh, I'll I'll do it more from the perspective of Unfathomable because our listeners and viewers are more likely to be able to play Unfathomable. Do have a friend with BSG. It's great. It's exactly what you expect. A bit more complex than Unfathomable. Unfathomable is, I'm going to say that word a lot, is um, a hidden role game where you're either a human or you're a hybrid. Uh, there is also a cultist, but the cultist is in the more complex kind of rules. Uh, the humans, their job is to get the ship from London to Boston. The hybrids want to ransack sack the ship with all the Cthulhu. Now, uh, you can see on the uh, uh, towards the front of your screen there, if you're watching us, that is uh, Mama Dagon, and behind her is Papa Dagon. They do all kinds of damage to the ship. Now, the wonderful thing about this game is uh, even when you expose as a hybrid, you won't be hurting other players. The moment the hybrids are exposed, it becomes a puzzle on how to solve things and how to stop the hybrids from succeeding. Uh, look, it's wonderful. It's, it's a game where you've got to contribute cards to try and get missions done. And if you if you count too many negative cards, you start to get paranoid about your neighbours. It's a real, excuse me, paranoia-inducing game. But that's fine. It is fun. It is uh, quite interesting. It's a longer play. It's probably about three hours. I was at a party a few weeks ago and people kept coming into us and going, are you still playing that the same game or is this a different one? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's a mark of a great game that for us it was very quick and a lot of fun. Uh, the difference is in Battlestar Galactica is there's a second ship and you're kind of working with a second ship and, of course, they're not Cthulhu or hybrids. They're, um, they're, they're silent is, is kind of what you're up against. I personally prefer Unfathomable because right. in Battlestar Galactica when you jump, uh, you 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 don't only move like the the space tracker, you also move the kill tracker. Whereas here, you have the choice: you have the choice of moving the spirit track or the uh, the the actual movement track. And it's really interesting. It's it's a great game. It's one I've played five or six times already within the space of about a year. We managed to get it out about every two months, and I, I can't see that changing. It's just a delightful game. Have you? I've have got... you played... I've played Battlestar. So I actually used to own Battlestar Galactica. Uh, I did get rid of it. Now, I know that I have a bit of a different opinion than a lot of people on these games because these are very well-loved games. For me, they just went... I know I said for me. They just <laughs> went a little long for what they were trying to do. And in a way, that makes them better at what they're trying to do, right? Because yeah. when you're going to be sitting there for three hours, if someone around the table is trying to sabotage you, that means something, right? Yeah. That, that's important. Um, 
But I do find that a three-hour playtime for me often means that the game's not going to hit the table, right? If I'm going to play a Um, game for three hours, people will just say, I'd rather play a couple of smaller games, uh, which has meant that I haven't gotten to play this as much as I would like. Um, I think think for my game group, because there's quite a few of us, I mean, if we catch up on a public holiday, invariably Unfathomable will come out. Mm. Or if my entire game group is there, I've got it with me and someone always goes, hey, did you bring it? Let's play it. So, you know, there's always a group that are like, I want to play Unfathomable. I also Um, haven't played this in quite a long time. I would like to play it with, I think, a group that is more more prepared for how long it's going to take, I think would be really good. Um, Yeah, if you're interested in games kind of in this realm, but that playtime puts you off, um, I think Dead of Winter does an all right job. I can't remember if we've talked about Dead of Winter on the podcast. Um, I don't think we have as an in-depth look, but we sure. mentioned so, Dead of Winter, of course. Yeah, I have a similar feeling about Dead of Winter. I really like the crossroads stuff that it does. But again, mm. you get that traitor element in Dead of Winter, um, and that's probably a two-hour game. The one that I'll go back to, and this is a much older game that I still heavily recommend, is Shadows Over Camelot. I don't know if you've played Shadows Over Camelot, Jeff. No, I haven't, but it has been mentioned. Yeah, it's from like 2005. It was, honestly, it was like one of the first cooperative games, let alone trader games. It was a Bruno Catala design. Um, And it it brings a lot of that stuff down to a really simple element. You play as Knights of the Round Table. Everyone's got to go on different quests, and they just use numbered cards to do different things. And rather than it being one big goal, you have to get, a certain number of the different problems on the board solved and they're worth different amounts of points. And it's like the first side to get seven points wins. Mm. So the good guys want to get seven white swords on the round table before seven black swords can be on the round table. And it's difficult. Yeah. It's difficult even as a cooperative game, but then you add in a traitor who can Mm. just, it looks like you're about to win. And then they snatch defeat from the jaws of victory at the last second Oh, heartbreaking. So that's Shadows Over Camelot, and I think it'll be a lot of similar feelings when it comes to um, the games you're talking about as well, Battlestar Galactica and Unfathomable. Definitely big boys, but worth the time investment, as we talked about earlier. Absolutely, a lot of fun. Both games, both games actually give me a you know that kind of vibe where 10 minutes later we're still talking to each other about it and smiling and laughing yeah that that's always a good gaming experience no matter what yeah absolutely um jeff if you have heard of this game i'm going to eat my hat no one i know has heard of this game unless i've shown it to them um this is an older game i have no idea how easy it is to get I don't think it's generally all that well received. I think it's on got like a 6.2 on Board Game Geek. So people don't love this game. I love this game. I think this game is one of the most genius things ever printed. It's a game designed by Scott Nicholson. So if you're newer in the board game scene, you won't know Dr. Scott. Um, but he was basically, before Tom Vassell, Scott Nicholson was the guy doing board game reviews. He did text reviews when Tom Vassell started his channel and started getting contributors. Scott was one of the first people doing segments for him. Um, Scott is a genius. I think he was also the first person to uh, 
be the professor of game design at a university in the world. Hmm. The guy's a genius. And so you hear that he's going to make a game and you're going to think that it's some big, incredible, you know, mathematical. And it's absolutely the opposite of that. He went ahead and made Going, Going, Gone. I love an auction game. And this captures the spirit of an auctioneer, a fast-talking auctioneer with a crazy auction, better than any game I've played in my life. Uh, if you look on the box there, it says 20-minute playtime. Mm. I often don't get our games lasting 20 minutes. They get played so aggressively. There's a few really genius moves in this game. The first one is that the way these auctions work is real. It's a set collection game right? There's seven different types of things that you can collect. There's records and comics and cars and toys and board games and art and baseball cards. And there's seven different nationalities. There's Canadian, Japanese, English, uh, American, Chinese, German, and Italian. So there's 49 cards in total. Each, one of each nationality for each different thing you can collect. And then cards come out in little groups and you bid on them. And If you get sets, you trade in those sets and bigger sets are worth more money. Really straightforward ideas that we've seen everywhere before. Scott Nicholson is a genius. The factors that he added are so clever. First off, the way these auctions work is you put your money, which are classic board game cubes, into little plastic cups that represent the money going into that auction. And at the end of each auction, whoever's got the most cubes in that cup They spend those cubes, they win the auction. Everyone else gets their money back. Which gives this really fun little thing of, you've just got to eyeball how many cubes are in there. Once auctions start getting big, and people are just whacking fistfuls of cubes into cups, you've got no idea if you're winning or not. So you should probably throw some extra cubes in there, right? Genius. Beautiful. Love it. Another genius thing. Yeah. What was that, Jeff? I was going to say, that sounds too simple. Just, like, so simple, yeah. so easy. Yeah, all right, get this. The rule book is printed on one of the game components. The rules are so simple, they're on a double-sided piece of cardboard, which is also the auctioneer's paddle in the game. So the auctioneer oh, holds up a paddle during bidding, and that has the rules printed on it, which means that while you're playing, someone is literally holding up the rules in front of you. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I mentioned that one player each round is the auctioneer, and they have a paddle. Their job is to count down from 10 to 0, and when the time hits 0, they put the paddle down over the cups and no one else can bid. Right. The only rule for being the auctioneer is that when you count from 10 to 0, you have to do it in a consistent timing. How fast you do it, up to you. So early game, people can be really slow auctioneers with considerate auctions where they go 10, 9, and everyone's <laughs> looking at what everyone else is doing and putting their cubes in cups and having little fights with people. And then three rounds later, people are going, 10, 9, 7, 5, 5, 3, 2, 1, bam! And <laughs> you're just throwing cubes at cups. Um, <laughs> this game is phenomenal. It is so simple. But the energy that it brings out of people, this was actually the reason that I thought of putting this on the games I want to talk about today, is that with this uh, funny games draft, and this was my number four, it didn't make the cut for me, and I went, I can't not talk about going, going, gone. Well, that's great. So that's, this that's... game is an absolute right. That's a really good reason to talk about it. 
yeah. So if you ever see a copy of Going Going Gone, pick it up. It 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 might not be for you, but my God, this game's for me. I think it's so funny. <laughs> it's so simple. It's so clever. And the feeling when someone is counting down too quickly and someone else is throwing cubes in a cup and you're trying to beat them, but you don't know how many they've thrown in and you don't know how many you've thrown in. It's electric. So love to our listeners, to it. our listeners, if you're listening in and you pick up going, going, gone and you don't like it, just send it to Lachlan. I'll have another copy it of it. It might be for you, but it's for him. Just send yeah, yeah. It to him. Send it to me. Yeah. Send it to send me. It to if I yeah. owned four copies of this game, that'd be great. I've actually had to reinforce my auctioneer's paddle with some paddle pop sticks because people had been slamming it down too aggressively and the game had too much play. Um, yeah, no, really good fun. Look, speaking of games that you can get a hold of, and if games have had too much play, best thing you can do is kickstart an expansion, baby. Jeff, yeah. you're looking at any crowdfunding expansions at the moment? Well, yeah, I have, because um, a couple of weeks ago, we spoke about uh, Ark Nova and the Terraforming Mars uh, Ares Expedition. Uh, those Terraforming Mars people are coming out with more expansions, including, and I like this, and I'm tempted to back this one, a solo game. So it will be an Automa game, as well as Prelude 2. Um, you can see there, if you're watching on Twitch, it's Prelude 2, more Prelude Project Incorporation cards, which I kind of like the sound of, Awards and Milestones expansion, and an Autumnus Solo expansion, as well as seven neoprene board mats and seasonal promo cards. I think this is the kind of thing, if you're a completist or you love the nice bits of games, like the great coins and, and Flamecraft, I forgot to mention the Flamecraft playing board is a neoprene mat, which is beautiful. So um, if you like the neoprene mats and all that sort of thing, I think this is the Kickstarter for you. This one is on Kickstarter. Uh, I didn't quite get to check out the pricing. I think it's reasonable, though. I don't think it... Like, the Terraforming Mars kickstarting stuff hasn't been incredibly expensive. It's been reasonable. I don't want to say it's been uh, been absolutely dirt cheap, but it's been, you know, within the realms of reasonable before postage. Of course, the problem is, in Australia right now, postage is through the roof, no matter what you're getting. The cheapest you can find from the US is probably about $20. But usually you're looking at about 40 to 50. But this this looks great. It's already funded. I got the email this morning and it's already funded. Uh, and I think it's, uh, look, you know, if you're a terraforming mask completist, you're probably already tapping out Kickstarter and, and looking at this one. Uh, and even if you're not, uh, a solo game of terraforming Mars is a great place to start. Yeah, I've just got the Kickstarter over here. And before shipping, uh, if you want Prelude 2 and the Automa, uh, that's going to set you back about 55 Aussie dollars, which for what you get in that is just a bargain. That's really, really great. And yeah, if you want to go not... all in and, you know, you're getting all of the playmats and both of the expansions, it's about 230 bucks, and that gives you everything. You know, seven mm. neoprene mats to replace seven different boards. Like, that's an insane amount of stuff. Um, I, I talked and, pretty and... openly about Terraforming Mars not being my favourite, but Prelude, I think, is maybe the best part of that game. The idea of mm. Prelude 2 and replacing the board with a neoprene mat, that's beautiful. And also, I mean, it, it, I mean, yes, it's about 250 but on top of that, you're probably looking at another 100 for postage. So you're yes, probably looking at be aware of $400 at the moment. The lucky thing is, of course, you can back it 
and then you don't put your postage in probably for another six months to a year and hopefully by then either the dollars bounce back or the economy's starting to uh, starting to bolster absolutely uh, I want to talk about a game that you know like we're talking about is just so pretty I love mm. pretty games uh, this one is also on Kickstarter and it's called Harvest. Now, Harvest looks yeah, absolutely stunning. This is by Keymaster. Um, Keymaster, if you've never gotten one of their games before, they knock it out of the park every single time. Uh, they did Parks and Caper, which are both smaller box games. Uh, Caper, a little two-player game. I can't recommend Parks highly enough, by the way. That's something I'm sure I'll talk about soon. A tiny little uh, card game about exploring the national parks of the US um, that uses the mechanic from um Tokaido, where the person furthest back gets to move forward as fast as they would like um so that's a yeah. lovely game but this one harvest is a really cute little worker placement game where the workers that you place will get you crops for a little farm they will get you the ability to clear out some space on your farm and all of the things that you're doing on your little personal farm board are in the form of polyominoes. So it's got that polyomino tile placement. It's got the worker placement. It's got, you know, all of that really neat biting stuff that you want in a game while being really cute, really beautiful. Um, yeah, $93 for the game with all of the stretch goals, which includes the bit that I'm most excited about, which is asymmetric player powers. The idea of going into a game like this and having a totally different way to go about it than everyone else really appeals to me. The idea of, you know, getting that thing. And then, of course, you can also go the crazy Super Deluxe Edition, which has the neoprene mats and the printed everything and the metal coins. But even just the regular edition of this is so cute. It seems like uh, something I'm likely to go in for. So that one is yeah. Harvest on Kickstarter. It looks fun, and, and I love a worker placement game, to be honest. A worker placement or a dice placement game, and I'm a happy boy. It's a mechanic that just works. You know, it's mm. it's hard to get it wrong, almost. Mm. Um, and something... The, the pitched... Sorry, just quickly. The pitched playtime of 30 to 70 minutes? Like, come Fantastic. on. That's that's beautiful. Fantastic. We love that. Fantastic. You could get 10 of those, and in the time it takes me to play Unfathomable. Anyway. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I'll keep going. Uh, something not as whimsical as that, and this looks tremendous. Uh, whenever we're doing a show, I always have a look around both GameFound and Kickstarter. This one's on GameFound. It is called Ascendancy. Uh, it's a, um, you can see the big stomach. It's absolutely stunning. It looks absolutely brilliant. Uh, it's a competitive game, a free-for-all, but yet, you, you can you can play it solo and fully cooperative. It's got a lot of strategy. You are basically a house. So it's it's like a little bit of, I, I have never watched Game of Thrones, but apparently it's got a little bit of Game of Thrones influence. You're like a house and you want to take over the land and to take over the land, you don't have to beat all other houses, but you need to be more powerful. So you, but, but you play more than one generation. You can play up to four generations of this house. So it's not only a one and done game, it also has a legacy aspect and an ongoing storytelling aspect to it. It just looks fantastic. Uh, very, very heavily influenced by Dungeons and Dragons. But looking at the box art, which you can see there, 
it just looks beautiful. It, without a doubt, it looks like a complex and fun game. I will be honest, um, as I mentioned to you before we came on air, I'm currently playing Baldur's Gate 3, and that probably is partly why I've chosen mm -hmm. this one because it just kind of captured me. Um, look, I'm probably going to go in on this. I think for everything, including all of the all of the deluxe components, it's 199 US, so it's about that 250 mark as well. But by gosh, it's it looks amazing. But for it's how brilliant. much you seem to get in the box, my goodness. And what I'll add to that as well, one of the things that often scares me when I see it in a game is when it advertises being cooperative, but also playable as a free-for-all, but also playable in teams, but also playable solo. When you see that, to me, that often indicates that either the designers didn't know what they were doing, or they built a really robust and strong core system that mm. whatever you're trying to do with it, it works, right? Yeah. I, I'm apprehensive when I see it, but if it works, this could be an absolute monster. This could be the kind of game that everyone talks about being the, oh, you've got to play Ascendancy. Um, well, it could be Gloomhaven. It could, it could be it very could, similar well, to Gloomhaven. That's exactly so... what I'm getting at, like... I'm 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 actually going to give this a punt. I'm actually going to going to probably back this one and give it a good look because by oh, geez, it looks good and it looks complex but fun. It looks like the kind of thing that yeah, it'll probably have a long game, uh, a long playtime, but yet it's probably intriguing and fascinating. And, you know, yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yeah, definitely just... one to keep an eye on. Um, I'm going to jump in. Look, we all know that I love throwing these up. It's a print and play, roll and write, baby. Love these guys <laughs> on crowdfunding because you get in, they're dirt cheap. You support, you know, small designers and you get a good game out of it for not much money. Uh, this one is called Castles of Aragon and it looks super simple, super playable. Uh, I think backing it costs you six bucks Australian and wow. you've got the game and you can print off as many sheets as you need. And to play it, you need two dice, and each player needs a pencil. That's it. <laughs> You're done. Right? For six bucks. Unreal. And it's got a mechanic that I love, which is uh, roll two dice and use some combination of the dice to make a value. So in the example that I've got, they've got on the Kickstarter, if you roll a five and a three, you can use a five, or a three, or a five plus three, which is eight, or a five minus three, which is two. So you roll two dice and you've got four options on what number you want to pull from that. I mm. love that kind of stuff because it means that even when there's not much complexity in what you're doing, the actual decision space that you've got, the potential outcomes that you've got to work with are so wild that you could play with 10 other people and you will all have significantly different games. You're not all going to be yeah. picking the same thing every time, especially when, You've got a random setup of placing some castles on your board, what looks like some really easy symbol drawing and matching up some points based on what values you write. This looks like a winner to me for six bucks. And if you're on the Kickstarter, you can also get, and this is probably where I'm jumping in, the company that makes it also has two other print and play roll and writes, uh, One Page Expedition and Royal Builders. Get all three for 11 Aussie dollars. Like, Jesus, you don't get much better than that. Eleven bucks, and you got three games that you can play. The value 
it, it doesn't that's, get much better than that, does it? That's just fantastic. And you work at a school, so you'll probably just print them all at the school, let's be honest. And that's it. What I do is some of these games, the kids will get them, right? Yeah. You can print out 25 copies of a roll and write and hand them around a classroom, and you have a virtual dice roller up on the projector, and baby, you got a stew going. And all of a sudden, <laughs> the kids are... The kids are trying to do maths because they want to, not just because you've got to teach them maths. It's fantastic mm. stuff. Yeah, uh, really thanks cool. a lot, Carl Webbers. It's great to have you on the show. Uh... <laughs> I, I love that you got that reference. That's a clanger. Um, I'm always going to get Arrested Development references. Uh, next week, I'll be looking at there's money in the banana stand. All right. So, did you say beads? <laughs> beads, stop, beads, beads. All right. Um, I mean, look, we're we're having a good time laughing over here. It's always good to laugh with your close friends. If you wanted some board games to laugh about, baby, we're going to tell you what board games you can laugh about. That's right. We have got our draft. We do this every episode where we come up with a topic and we go back and forth picking games that are going to end up in our final three of that topic. This week, we're talking about funny games. So, Jeff... Take it away. Tell me about your first pick for a funny game. This this was a little tough for me because um, obviously games. Uh, you've noticed I probably play the the more serious, the deeper, the more hidden role. This this kind of thing. I backed this game about a year ago, and it arrived in December, and I've gotten it to the table twice, and it is absolutely hilarious. It doesn't sound hilarious. And the artwork is horrifying, but intentionally so. It's over the top. It's very funny. It is called Lobotomy 2 Manhunt. Uh, you can see there that basically they're cartoon characters. And what you're doing, it's a dungeon crawler where you've got to get out of the insane asylum. And every person in that insane asylum is basically a parody of a movie character, a parody of a real person, a parody of a historical figure. There's lots of parodies in there, both on the side of the inmates and on the side of the uh, of the guards. It's a cooperative, semi-cooperative game in that there's hidden roles again, but, geez, it's so funny and so much fun fun to play. Uh, yes, I will acknowledge that there are themes in there which are not right for the young kids, but, you know, once you're 17, 18, you're just going to laugh along and love this. Uh, the box cover is a bit gory, uh, but, Jesus, fun. I, you yeah, mentioned this laugh. to me last week as a funny game, and I, I Googled it and I went, what are you talking about, Jeff? What what on earth do you... And then as I looked more into it and I saw... For instance, the miniatures that I've got on the screen appear to be all be parodies of uh, famous historical artists. So you're doing a dungeon crawler with yes. Leonardo da Vinci and Bob Ross on your little squad. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yes. I see what's going on here. Yes. It's not, it's not a funny game in gameplay. It's a funny game in characters and, and people like that. Like there's, a, there's a character who's right out of one flew over the cookies nest. There's a couple. And there's a character, as you said, the artists, jazz musicians, um, you know, 1960s figures, 1970, you know, the, the, the expansions all have great and different contributors and ideas behind them. And it's just great. It's just lovely. And I got an email today. There's more coming. Brilliant. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, now, a few of mine on this list are going to be party games. Party games tend to 
fit the funny category the most. But this one I'm about to talk about is best when it is a game, not just a party game that you play to play a party game, but a game that you play while you're also at a party. So, um, oh, Jeff, guess what? No, yes, he's not he? falling for it. No, no. He knows, <laughs> he knows what's going about. on because this game is Don't Get Got. Don't Get Got is such a brilliant little idea. Every player gets a little plastic envelope, which they fill up with mission cards. And the mission cards aren't something you're doing in a board game or whatever. They're all things socially that you have to do around the table, around the house, around the party. So everyone at the start gets the same mission, which is you have to say to someone, guess what? And if they say what, you say, you got got, and you completed that mission. All of the other missions are things like wear a hat and get someone to comment on it. Or, you know, get someone to pull your finger. And they're all of these things that in the course of a party, you could get away with doing. But then when someone does it, you yell out, you got got, and you succeed your little mission. And they go, oh, come on. Or even better, if you you try to do something, sorry, Jeff, if you try to do something and they turn to you and they say, is this for the game? You fail that mission. Mm -hmm. So you've Mm -hmm. got to be subtle with it. I have a great story about this game. We were at the board game getaway, myself and a, a large number of my game group. And what a we, perfect uh, situation we, for this game. We decided we were going to have a don't get got competition. Hi, Gemma, if you're listening in. Uh, and we had a massive, like there were 15 of us all having a do- and And the rest of the board game getaway people who were attendees were like, Oh, you got, we wanted to, we'd love to do that. (laughs) So I think this year, the organizers are doing a big don't get got competition and we're still going to do our own side one. And the, uh, the, the person who won was Gemma, hence the reason I I shouted out to her. Um, She said to me, uh, we're we're about to go to bed on the Saturday night. She goes, I'm going to get, I'm going to get the last one today, which is, was a Harry Potter based one. Apparently there's a Harry Potter based one. And she got this at three in the morning. She got her roommates to start discussing Harry Potter. <laughs> and poor Jesse. <laughs> hi, Jesse. They um they got got by pretty much everyone with the, hey, Jesse, guess what? So by the time I walked up to her and said, hey, Jesse, guess what? She, they go, what? And I go, uh-huh, I got you. They went, oh, F my life. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's this game is made for those moments. So we're going again this year, and Jesse goes, I, I'm I'm going, I'm really excited, but I will not be participating in mean, don't get got active. <laughs> so yeah, big thumbs up for me. My first pick, don't get got. What else have you got for a funny game there, Jeff? Uh my second funny game is that's my fish. Uh that's my fish, that's not my fish. Uh hey, that's my fish. Hey, that's my fish. That's the one. Uh, this is a great game, uh, a smaller player count than a party game. My last one is a party game. Um, and this one, uh, you're on a you're on a little map and you're going along and you're picking up fish and you're getting closed in and it gets closer and closer. And eventually you're just standing on an iceberg surrounded by ocean and that's when you're out. But the fun you have with this game is in the interactions with other players it's in the proximity, and it's the fact that you can kind of screw players over, but more often than not, you're just screwing yourself over, and that's what makes it hilarious. 
Uh, look, I love this game. Uh, again, board game getaway we play, and it's coming up in December. If you're not already going and you can get down here, Lachlan, for the first weekend of December, come on down, Lachlan, and play some wonderful board games. Board game getaway is a great, great time. I'm not, no, I get nothing from saying that. Uh, but uh, yeah, we were playing Hey, That's My Fish before, before the place opened because we were there a couple of hours earlier. We were just having a great old time. Yeah, uh, this one's a classic. It's for for a game that's essentially an abstract game. It's fantastic. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's a, just it's moving. an easy. It's easy to understand. It's easy to play. It's easy to get. And bang, you're laughing and having a great. Old you're time. moving tokens around hexes that are worth different point values, right? Mm. Like, th- there's really nothing to it. But then you slap on that theme of penguins and fish and getting stranded on an iceberg. And immediately it becomes funny and aggressive. And yeah, yeah, this one's phenomenal. Uh, Speaking of fish, my pick number two is also a fish-related game. And uh, this one, I don't know if uh, if my friend Alex is going to nod watching this because I don't know if he's played it or not. But Happy Salmon uh, is a game that... Yeah, this is a cracker. So... Happy Salmon, you can see this version. It comes in a box now as well, but this version came in a foam salmon. And all it is is a few decks of cards. Tiny little decks of cards, one for each player. And they say some simple things that you've got to do. A high five, a fist bump, swap places at the table, and Happy Salmon. Happy Salmon is kind of like a like a cross between a handshake and a high five where you slap each other's yeah. forearms. And all you do is you look at what card is on the top of your deck and you look around the table for someone else who has to do that thing. And when you do that thing, you discard that card. The aim is to get rid of all of your cards first. And the result is just people looking around a table, arm out, screaming, fist bump me, fist bump me, fist bump me. It lasts, honestly, about three minutes. And it is intense while you're playing it and then everyone just stands there and laughs what an absolute good time it's a shot of adrenaline game as well it really like you know this is a game you play at 11 30 at night if you want to do an all-nighter and you're just you're just filled with adrenaline and laughter we played it standing up which is probably a great way to play it because then you're swapping with people and four of you can bang into each other. Oh, look, this is a great pick, Lachlan. I'm, I'm really yeah, pleased I, you picked this one. When it's, it comes to so funny simple. games, that one's Yeah, that one, that one is, uh, from, from mine, that one edges out, don't get God, is probably the funniest game. Uh, <clears throat> my final one, and I did mention this as a game to introduce people to games uh, back when we did our, our draft on the first episode, and that is... Monikers. Monikers is a beautiful game. And the beauty of Monikers is that it can be as adult as you like. It can be as childlike as you like. And of course, you house rule uh, a round or two finger puppets, noises, uh, say their name backwards if you can. Um, you know, uh, everyone everyone in the room closing their eyes and, and some mimes happening, you know, all kinds of things. Look, this is this is crazy. This is silly. There are two teams. Uh, whoever has the most points at the end wins. The points are written on the cards. That's that's the explanation. I've just explained the whole game of monikers. But the fun is also when there's that one person who has no fucking idea. Who, oh, I've done it. I've broken the swear rule. You swore. No... <laughs> swear, Jar Jeff. 
who has no idea who the person is on their cards and just has to challenge through it. And yeah. that's why that's the beauty of playing this with people of all ages and having a lot of fun. I love Monica's. There's no doubt. It's just one of the funnest games. And when it comes down to it, it's a genre of game that there's a lot of. You've got a card, try to get people to guess what's on the card. And then yeah. you get restrictions and how you can do that. Right? Yeah. It's a great genre. It's a funny genre. Monica's is the best one, I think. Yeah. Um, like I you said, top 10 is quite good as well. But yeah, for mine, Monica's is the key. Yeah. Time's up. I hear good things about. I'm actually about to talk about one. Um, but Monica's is just genius. The fact that yeah. the points are on the cards, so the harder ones are worth more points. And the rules that come with it are simple and yet clear and pick the funniest ways to do it. And mm. on top of that, the the things that they picked to be on the cards are genius. The fact that one of the cards is Alex Trebek with a mustache and one of the other cards is Alex Trebek without a mustache. Without a mustache. Genius. Because then mm. when you get to the mime round, it just becomes... Yeah. And everyone goes, oh, it's Alex Trebek without a mustache. Yeah. It's so clever in... It's a game that makes in-jokes for you. Which absolutely, magic. it's magic, and there's also there's also some horrific things on those cards, which make it hilariously oh, fun yeah. to play. It really does. I I love Monica's. Um, as I said, we play it in a group. My friend Liam, who got married last week, congratulations, Liam! A beautiful wedding. Uh, he has every expansion and every set of Monica's. I almost expected him to pull it out at the wedding to so have a massive, you know. 120 people going Monica's, which would have been yeah. hilariously mm -hmm. fun. But yeah, beautiful game. Yeah, I've got my third one coming up. I just want to let you know that I have got some honourable mentions coming up because this list was so difficult for me to narrow down. But this one, I think the concept is genius. Okay? What we've just talked about, those you get a card that has a word on it and you've got, everyone, got to get mm -hmm. everyone to guess the word, it's one mm -hmm. of those. It's by the people who made Exploding Kittens. Now, most of the time, their games do not appeal to me. But no. this one is so clever with the how simple the rule set is and the components that they include that I can't argue with it. This one is called Poetry for Neanderthals. It is really simple. All right, here's the way it works. You get the card. You've got to get your teammates to guess the word on the card. The condition is you can only use one-syllable words. If you use a word that has more than one syllable, someone from the other team gets to hit you on the head with the inflatable no stick. <laughs> That's the entire rules of the game. You've got 90 seconds to get as many as possible. Don't get hit with the no stick. One-syllable words. Fantastic. And it ends up, you get things like, let's, let's do a quick version of this, Jeff. <clears throat> Small tree food. Like tree, green, small food. Broccoli. Thank you. Right? Trying to make sure you're only saying one-syllable words is really yeah. difficult. And you end up dropping all the A's and the thes, and you really do sound like a caveman playing this game. And <laughs> when there's someone standing over you with an inflatable mallet ready to whack you on the head when you when you accidentally say a two-syllable word. You're accidentally saying vegetable when you talk about broccoli and they hit you over the head and you're like, oh, I should have known that. Like, yeah. it, you say healthy. And you're like, wait, that is two syllables. Bonk. Yeah. Um, yeah. So simple, so clever. I don't 
you you almost don't need the game to play this game. I yes. wonder if it would be possible to play a really good version of this game using a Monica's set. Like it would be extremely oh. difficult, but maybe I, I'm thinking that this might be a new round of Monica's for me. Is after yeah. you play the first round, great. Now you have only got one syllable words. Talk like a caveman. Well, we 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 do it with one word. We often I don't know if you play Monica's with, with the one word rule. You play the you one word rule, yeah. Strip it down to one syllable words. So you're gonna have five words, but they've got to be one syllable. Yeah, but then yeah, I, Alex, I think it's good. No mo. There you go. <laughs> Show man no lip hair. Yeah. Yeah, there yeah. you go. But you can't have <laughs> That's genius. I'm, I'm really man. happy with our new round. Look, just before we go to the end of this draft, like I said, I've got a couple of honorable mentions that I do want to hit. Uh, the first one is something that I believe I talked about previously, which is Pictomania. Um, yes, you have. A, a competitive drawing game that has speed as a factor. Genius. Vlada Chivadal is one of the great minds of board gaming. And adding a speed and guessing element to Pictionary was a shortcut to making a game that is fun, making the drawings kind of necessarily have to be bad, which is always funny. And mm. when people get things wrong and they feel like they did the wrong thing getting it wrong, because I find often in Pictionary, one person's going, come on, this is obvious. And the other person's going, I don't know what it is. And it feels bad. In Pictomania, that's never the case. Someone doesn't know what it is, and either they go, oh, that was really obvious, I should have gotten that. Or the person drawing it goes, yeah, that was terrible, I shouldn't have drawn it that way. <laughs> there is never a situation where you're like, you should have gotten this, and they're like, no, I shouldn't have. That doesn't happen. It's either, you should have gotten this, and they go, yeah, I should have. Or it's like, yeah, you had no way to get this. Um, I love Pictomania. Another one, I'm going to talk about three more, but they're all basically the same game. Uh, Snake Oil is kind of the leader here, but I'm also adding in Fun Employed and But Wait, There's More. These are almost improv games that just have cards with them that I just mm -hmm. want to highlight. Um, Fun Employed is really simple. It's there is a job description on the table. One person is the interviewer. You have a handful of traits. You have to convince the interviewer that you should get the job. You have to tell them why, as a secret agent, it's a good thing that you have hay fever. Um, yeah. Just so simple, so clever. Snake oil, there's a roll on a table. You're trying to sell something to that person, but the object that you make, you've got two cards in your hand, two nouns. You just slap them together and you make something that you've got to convince them they want to buy. So like, oh, you've got a cheerleader, so you're going to give them some hair vacuum. What yeah. does that mean? Work it out. And But Wait, There's More is basically the same as Snake Oil, except instead of having two word cards, you've only got one object to sell them. But then you have to say, but wait, there's more, and flip over a random function of this device you're trying to sell that you had no idea about, and now you've got to convince everyone why that makes sense, why that's a oh, product that they fun. need. It's, I, I uh, like Fun Employed. Know. I like Fun Employed. I've played it once or twice, and I really like it. So, if yeah, you like Fun Employed, you will like all three of these games. Simple. Look, I think I think that we 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 got a night with some really good pitches. We got a night with a really good draft again. So uh, yeah, I've got absolutely. my mind on the next one. So when we go off air, I'll uh, I'll tell you what what the next one. Oh, exciting! So yeah, we're looking at our draft results. There, Jeff has picked Lobotomy Two Manhunt. Hey, that's my fish and Monica's. Whereas I picked Don't Get Got, Happy Salmon, and Poetry for Neanderthals. I think that is a cracking list of funny games and. 
It, it I, is, although I like to call Happy Salmon Slappy Hammond because it just Slappy Hammond is a very good name. That's a very Slappy funny Hammond. thing to say, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. You know, Jeff, I think you're hilarious. And you out there, if, if you're listening to this and you also think Jeff is hilarious, make sure you subscribe to Board of Games. You can get us on Apple Podcasts. You can get us on, you know, wherever you get your podcasts. Not Stitcher anymore. That's what I went to say, but that doesn't exist anymore. You know, just make sure you hit that subscribe button. If you can, give us a review and give us a five-star review. It would really help us get into more ears. And hey, if you want to watch us live, if you want to see the video of this, you can do it live at twitch.tv slash Podcast. You'll be able to join in the chat like Night Eyes did tonight. You'll be able to tell us when we're wrong, have a big argument with us. And uh, if you hit follow, you get notified whenever we go live. If you hit subscribe, uh, you can't do that yet, but eventually that's the goal. Um, and that helps us get there. And you know what? If you want to watch the video and you're doing this after the fact, jump onto Facebook, search for Board of Games Podcast. You'll be able to find us there. I think the page is just under Board of Games. You can find us there, skip through the first two and a half minutes because that's when we play the song, and you get the full podcast in video form on Facebook. So go ahead and do that and get that there. But um, honestly, you can follow us on X slash Twitter as well, where I believe we're Board of Games Pod on there. I also believe we're Board of Games Podcast on Instagram, which we'll get fired up a little more soon is there anything else we had to mention jeff yeah there's just a couple more things i just quickly want to add uh, i did say wrestlebrania you can see it behind me wrestlebrania is going to be at pax this year we are going to be at the uh galah theater at 3 p.m on saturday the 7th of october the other thing of course i'll be doing at pax is i'll be doing some blood on the clock tower story I'm going to tell you in the next few days, if you don't already like Blood of Clock Tower and Blood, of Clock Tower, Blood on the Clock Tower Melbourne, uh, I'm going to tell you in the next few days how you can be part of those sessions where we'll be storytelling some games so you can come along and be a part of this great Australian phenomenon because it's a wonderful thing. Awesome. And hey, while you're at it, you can follow the two of us on Twitter. We've got Jeff over here at Jeff Setti and me over here at Lachlan Albert. So make sure to chuck us a follow as well. And I always have a blast doing this. I hope you have enjoyed listening. If you have, please let us know. If there's things that you would like to hear from us, please let us know. But until next time, that's been Jeff Setti. I've been Lachlan Albert. Have a good one. Good night.